Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Welcome to Pantsuit Politics, where a woman from the right and a woman from the left accessorize the news with a fresh perspective. Hi, this is Sarah Holland from the left and Beth Silvers from the right. Welcome to our special Friday episode of Pantsuit Politics. We call it the briefcase, where we try to touch on a couple of things that we think are important before you head out into the weekend. We also share Friday feedback and try to address any questions or concern we've gotten from everybody. Today, as always, our viewers continue to be, or listeners, I guess, continue to be com- incredibly insightful. So we're going to share some additional comments they've had on our past Flint episodes and our PC episodes. And we're also going to talk about... Um, Donald Trump and and sextism in our current media environment. And I'm just going to say right now, 
I don't know if I can remain nuanced, but I'm going to try my best. I'm going to try my best. So we're so excited to have everybody here today. Please subscribe to our Pantsuit Politics emails. It's pinned to the top of our Facebook page and our Twitter page. It's also um, on our website. And it's really where we try to put in all our show notes. We're planning on doing some unique content to our email subscribers, and that way you don't miss an episode. And we also wanted to make sure everyone saw our Unchained Jane interviews. We had a lot of fun answering their questions. Um, They put out part one a few weeks ago, and part two is out now. So you can check that out on Unchained Jane's website. So coming into our feedback, we heard from um, several people about the Flint episode. I wanted to talk a little bit about an email we received from Brian McAvoy. Um, Brian fairly noted that we did not fully discuss all the aspects of what's happening in Flint. And, and I have to say, you know, I walked away from our, you know, 15, 20 minutes on Flint thinking we didn't even scratch the surface because there are so many layers to this, especially the the one that I was most focused on is sort of the racial and socioeconomic systemic issues that got us here in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot to say about that. Brian though, um, wanted to hear from us about, how how much responsibility the governor's office has in this crisis, particularly because of the appointment of an emergency manager for Flint. And as we started looking into this issue more, I think we're just going to have to do a full Tuesday podcast on the concept of emergency management and local government generally, because as Brian pointed out, it's a game changer when an emergency manager is appointed in terms of how much it kind of usurps democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought about a lot about this issue in the private context, because when I did restructuring work as a lawyer, we frequently had a, a, a business where a chief restructuring officer was brought in or a receiver was appointed by the court. And, and that's problematic and helpful, right? Somebody comes in with a lot of financial expertise to take a situation that's bleeding and try to do some triage. The mission for those folks is exceptionally clear. Your duty is usually to the creditors of the organization. You have clear lines of reporting. There's a ton of transparency around the process. And and even in that context, it's complicated and it doesn't always work really well. Boy, that that changes enormously when you start thinking about doing the same kind of thing in the public sphere. Mm -hmm. And that's really what happened in Flint. And, and, you know, Brian was also frustrated to hear us use the word admirable in the same sentence with governor Snyder. And, and I want to go back to that and say, my point was not that I think he is an admirable person or not. I, I don't know whether he is or not. I think that if he is sincerely operating from a place of, this was a big screw up by me and everyone else in government and I want to fix it. I think that's admirable. I think that's mm-hmm. more admirable than just cutting out because, because think about it. When you have a problem that needs to be solved, an administration change may be the right answer, but that just creates a whole lot more problems as well. A lot, a lot of disruption, a lot of distraction. So if he can, earn the trust of the population as we talked about during our episode and, and genuinely wants to fix this and can genuinely acknowledge where things have gone wrong that I find admirable. Yeah. Well, and I think what you got to just a second ago when you said that changes tremendously when you talk about the public sector. And I think that was Brian's point, which is 
the idea was from with regards to Governor Snyder was we're going to bring this businessman in and he's going to apply all these private sector ideas and it's going to be great. Right. And not so much, it turns out. And I think that is something worth examining because I think that happens a lot. I think we have this idea that you just bring in a CEO and he cleans things up in government. And I think that we have to acknowledge that it's more nuanced than that. Well, it is. And I mean, I think not to jump ahead too much into what I feel we need to give a lot more time than we have in in a Friday episode, but the idea that the fiscal responsibility of a government is the number one priority, th- that's a little crazy to me, and I'm a Republican. Oh, that's so you, true. So true. Know? I mean, the dollars and cents. I put that on a t-shirt. I don't it, think it would fit, but man, that's so true. Well, the dollars and cents are important. Like, mm-hmm. do I want balanced budgets? Absolutely. Do I want a plan to deal with our debt in, in every kind of government situation? Absolutely. That is not more important than the health and safety of people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so it's, there's just a lot to talk about here, especially as more information comes out. The Daily Beast reported this week that the first emergency manager in Flint consulted with the Department of Environmental Quality and rejected changing the water source, but then that oh, the administration reversed that decision. And so I, I don't want to put too much out before I feel that there's more conclusive reporting on all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, I could... Look, if I could just like run away for a couple of weeks and go up to Flint and investigate this myself, I would really like to do that because I think this is such a microcosm. It's it's hugely important in its own right. And it's also a microcosm of issues going on in American cities across the country. So I, I want to dive into this more. I want to do it um, with as much information as possible. And I really do want us to talk about emergency management generally. One of the guys who was an emergency manager in Flint during all this is also managing the Detroit school system and lots of controversy there. And we need to learn more about that. And then we'll fully talk about this. Teachers and the sick outs. Yeah. There's so much to talk about. There's so much to talk about. So thank you, Brian. We totally agree with you and we're on it. And so I just wanted to say, too, as we continue with a few other pieces of feedback, I was talking to one of my best friends who listens to our podcast, and um, she was upset with something I said during the PC episode was like, in her point, her, she emailed me and was like, I have not been this mad at you since college. But what I le- told her, you know, I kind of called her and we talked about it. And she was like, I know that's not what you meant. And um, we kind of you know, worked out the nuance as we are um, apt to do. And I told her what I love so much from her feedback and Brian's feedback and everyone who emails us is that our listeners always give us the benefit of the doubt, which just fills me with such joy and admiration. I don't even really know how to put it into words. How much further would our political debate go if we could do this? You know, it's I'm preaching to the converted. It's not our listeners, obviously, that are the problem, but I just appreciate and want to thank you so much. Every email, every bit of feedback we get is always, you know, from technical issues to our political stances to how we interact with each other. Everyone is so generous and everyone is so um, great about saying, hey, I think you missed this point. I don't think you, you know, I'm not assuming any negative motivations, but, you know, with I think you missed this or I think you could work on this. And we... Really can't thank you all enough for for being so dang awesome. It just goes right along with our intention because we aren't we aren't professional journalists. You know, mm-hmm. um, this is this is a hobby for us. It's something we want to grow um, because we think there's such a need for it. But um, 
but you know, our resources are, are limited right now. And, and what we want to be today, what we can be today and what we, we are becoming because of you is just like a big kitchen table, right? Where we can all sit down together and talk about these issues. And so we learn so much from everyone who gets in touch with us. I feel like some of our people on Facebook and Twitter are like my neighbors in some ways. Like every time I hear from, you know, Channing and Dante and Rachel and you know, there are so too many true. people to name, but I just, I love these people, you know, it's, it's wonderful. So thank you all. And speaking of, um, people who contact us on Twitter, we had such a nice exchange. I hope that I'm saying your name correctly with Bielka, um, who did a, a lesson with students on political correctness and talked about our show to some extent or points raised in our show during that discussion. And one of which that was just amazing to think about in and of itself, right? Like it gives me goosebumps when we hear things Mm -hmm. like that. But um, she said that she talked with her students about what it means to be American and what American values are. And she asked this question that I have just been stuck on ever since, which is, is it also American to be compassionate? I just thought that was beautiful and like important to say out loud and something that we really need to give more consideration to. And I think that that notion of compassion feeds into the last piece of Friday feedback that we wanted to bring up. We got the best email um, from Diane in New Jersey, and it was such a lovely message. And I I just, I really could tell that I would like her if we sat down in a room together reading it. (laughs) But, um, but she, Diane is concerned that we have kind of backed off of our passion against Donald Trump. And so uh, we want to set the record straight on that. I particularly want to set the record straight on that. I mean, let, let me just be super clear. I will not vote for Donald Trump in any election. I will not vote for <laughs> Ted Cruz in any election. Um, it, if they are the party's nominee, I will go somewhere else. You know, it, it might be Michael Bloomberg. It might be Hillary Clinton. I don't know. But I will not vote for Donald Trump or Ted, Ted Cruz. I do not feel any less uh, disdain. I probably feel more disdain every day as we're about to talk about (laughs) about this campaign. But what I have been really focused on for the last month or so is making sure that I don't speak about him in a way that is degrading to the people who do support Mm -hmm. him. You know, I'm trying to find compassion. I want to understand the anger that is fueling Trump supporters. I want to understand the anger that's fueling Sanders supporters. I think Mm -hmm. that's important. And I think it's important for me to not bash him so much. And I really struggle with this with Ted Cruz, especially if you follow us on Twitter, you know, I cannot stand Ted Cruz. And, and I, and and we are not alone. We are not alone. We are not. Who work with this man. Do not say nice things about him. You know, I lose my nuance about these things though, because I just so much don't like them. So if my tone on the show seems more like I'm trying to give Donald the benefit of the doubt or a little bit of credit, at least it's, it's not about him as much as the very real humans, many of whom are friends and family members who support him because they aren't, they aren't all crazy or stupid or racist. There are some legitimate things to get Mm -hmm. to. It doesn't lead me to the same conclusion that they have, but I don't need to be a jerk about it. And, and that's, that's really all I'm trying to do. But I, but I promise I'm not going to vote for him ever. Well, and I feel like now, I feel like sometimes when I, I find myself in mixed company and I start to talk <laughs> about, you know, not like my husband or my right. mom or my best friend, like when I'm in a mixed, a group of people and we're talking politics and 
I feel myself kind of, you know, carefully editing what I say about Donald Trump because I just, you know, on my Facebook feed and among the people I usually talk politics about, everybody loathes him. But somebody supports him, okay? People support him. His numbers keep getting higher. And so I feel myself, you know, carefully weighing what I say because I don't want to push these people to double down. That's what I don't want to do. I don't want to be responsible for one single person because I mouth off and am insensitive in the way I talk about Donald Trump, like pushing him into his camp. I don't want to, I don't want to help that man one iota. And so I, I, I feel, I find myself being like, wait, you know, is this person over here not saying anything secretly in their head going, see, this is why I like Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm trying to be really careful about it because I don't want to help him. But I really think any concern about our disdain for Donald Trump is uh, going to be cured in the next segment when we're going to be talking about the current sexism and sexist comments being made um, in the presidential campaigns. As everyone knows now, um, we're recording this pre-Republican debate, but at the time we're recording it, we our understanding is that Donald Trump will not make an appearance at the debate. He will instead host something to allegedly benefit some veterans organization, um, which I, we could probably also do a, an entire show on how distasteful I find it to use veterans mm-hmm. in the way that he has. Um, but we'll leave that to the side. So, well, so and I feel like veterans are more than capable of defending themselves. Well, absolutely. Right. So he is um, he's in this riff with Fox News largely because of questions from Megyn Kelly at the last debate and continued commentary from Megyn Kelly. And Just, time out. Totally legitimate questions from Megyn Kelly. Just put that out there. Well, so here's here's where I am on this. I. Look, I like applauded in my living room when Megyn Kelly asked him whether he has the temperament to be the president after the really ugly things that he said about women. I did that because I do think it's a legitimate line of inquiry mm-hmm. to the point that we have emphasized previously on this podcast. It's not a debate question, but mm-hmm. none of the questions that are being posed to the candidates are debate questions right now. Yeah. The debates have become a forum for kind of the hard hitting interview while these people awkwardly stand next to each other. Yeah. And, and, and they're baiting other people to attack. Like, it's almost like leading questions, right? Like, I'm the moderator. I'm going to put something out and hey, the rest of you guys should jump on this. And that's really what it's become. But, but like the, the point for me is to quote you, Sarah, don't hate the player, hate the hate game. Hate the game. Like, Gotta hate the game. Megyn Kelly is doing what everybody else is doing. And why she is any less entitled than any other journalist to have an opinion and an angle. We're talking about Fox News. Yeah, you know? seriously. And that's why this seems so sexist to me that he just can't handle it with her. Because all of the things, all, all the criticisms of her could be leveled against any number 
of -hmm. people on any number of cable news networks. And I have to take a minute and say how like legitimately heartbroken I am about the way the morning Joe has covered this issue. Yeah. Because I mean, they, Joe Scarborough has just given it to Megyn Kelly about how she should, I don't know. Other than the fact that MSNBC and Fox news are bitter rivals. I don't know, but I think it is, outrageous um she's just doing what she does and and what people in her industry do now do i want all of that to change a hundred percent i would love to see debates just go back to the drawing board and actually be debates but that's not what's happening and so for donald trump to throw a little fit about this and and basically pit megan kelly against her own network in some ways Mm -hmm. i think it's ridiculous and i say kudos to roger ailes which is a phrase i never thought would come out of my mouth (laughs) for standing by her and all of this well and you know i don't almost ever agree with megan kelly clearly but i think she's at her best for me personally you know she's pretty often in the past not just in regards to donald trump sort of laid down the gauntlet and said, you know, gone to interview subjects or gone to other Fox News people when they're on her show and said, that's sexist. You know, what you're at, what you're doing right now is sexist. You know, I think Megyn Kelly starts, you know, not surprisingly, I think this happens to a lot of women, starts getting higher and higher up, becomes the, the only woman in the room and starts to get the way she's treated differently, right? I don't think she's alone in that experience, but kudos to her for beyond Donald Trump, not letting it slide because I think in her environment, it would be very easy to do. And, you know, she doesn't have to stop. She doesn't have to say these things. She didn't have to ask Donald Trump that question. And I think that I have a deep admiration for her, for the way that she really has, you know, gone after those sexist, that sexist questioning and those sexist experiences and really laid down the gauntlet. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college, y'all. He's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash pantsuit. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. 
And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day, Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. And so I'm not, I respect her. I'm not surprised that it's gone this far because Donald Trump just likes to push it as far as it can go, clearly, to step out of a debate. And I just, I guess what appeals about Donald Trump is this idea that he won't play the game. And maybe it goes to this idea of don't hate the player, hate the game, and that Donald Trump, you know, just will walk out and will say what he wants and he's not, he doesn't play by the same rules. But when you're the chief executive, when you're the chief law enforcer, like, shouldn't there be some respect for the rules of the game? (laughs) Shouldn't there be a modicum of, I won't pitch a fit and walk away? I just don't understand the appeal of this behavior. Well, there are different games, right? I mean, political games are one thing and that's what the American public is sick of. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump's game is dominating the news cycle. His yeah. his game is PR. And it's surprising to me, to some extent, that people aren't seeing that. I think they will eventually, right? I think people will come to hate, even the people who support him today, I think at some point will come to hate his game as well, because they'll see that it's a game. That's yeah. all this stunt is. He's yeah. not skipping the Fox News debate to make a point. He's skipping it because he's not all that great at debates. And mm-hmm. he's done a lot of these and he's probably tired. He's of running them. out of things to say. And the Iowa caucus is coming up and this guarantees that he keeps the news cycle for a couple more days. Yeah. That's all it is. I was you thinking know? about our previous discussion about the prisoner's dilemma when, you know, Ted Cruz was like, well, I'll do you. Which I don't like Ted Cruz, but I support the idea of this like Lincoln Douglas, Ted Cruz, Donald Trump because – Ted Cruz, I don't like him, but I don't think he's stupid. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he'd mop the floor with Donald Trump in some kind of scenario like that. Well, that's his forum. I mean, he's argued in front of the Supreme Court numerous times. I mean, he's a gifted debater. I I I can't stand him, but that's his, that's his arena for sure. Wouldn't it be fabulous if like, so the, the, everybody that's left, if, you know, this prisoner's dilemma, dilemma they were talking about on the circus, like what if tonight, while out walks on the stage is, I don't know, let's just say for argument's sake. Kasich, and he says, Jeb Bush, Chris Christie, Marco Rubio, let's throw Rand Paul in for argument's sake, have, you know, 
stepped out of the election, and now it's me. And so this is the choice you have. This is it. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? Like, just this kind of mic drop moment. I know it's not going to happen. I was just kind of fantasizing in my car. Like, Donald Trump's out, so now we're not going to talk about Donald. You know, he's not going to show up. So now we have Ted Cruz and this, you know, moderate Republican really doing what he can do best without the distractions of 15 other people on the stage and really presenting pe- the people of Iowa with a choice. I don't know. I feel like, well, I'd awesome. spend a lot of money to watch that face off be Chris Christie and Ted Cruz. Yeah. Because I think Chris Christie would just mop the floor with that. And, and if they were playing Donald Trump's game, that's what they would do. Right. Cause mm-hmm. that's how the other side dominates the news cycle. Um, but that's, you know, that's not going to happen. I do hope, and our listener Dante mentioned this on Twitter that, um, that this becomes an opportunity for someone to differentiate themselves yeah. because they're not competing with his sort of, um, I don't know, media magnetism. But so we wanted to talk about, in addition to the situation with Megyn Kelly, just briefly, and this is going to be hard for us to keep it brief, but, um, the, we said in our first podcast that having Hillary Clinton and Carly Fiorina in this election would one way or another force a conversation about women in politics, women in leadership. And, and we that's right. happening. <laughs> <laughs> we're so right. It's happening. Um, I'm just, so, so I'll start because I think you're going to have more to say on this than I do, but, but from the Republican end, I'll start by saying I am deeply troubled by what has become of the Carly Fiorina campaign. I was excited about Carly Fiorina. I donated to Carly Fiorina early on. Um, I don't agree with her on everything. She is much, much more socially conservative than I am. Um, but I kind of thought, well, that's not really her. Social conservative is, conservatism isn't going to be her thing. Her thing is going to be business experience, right? Mm-hmm. And no, that, that hasn't really Apparently turned not. out to be the case. Um, I was... So upset and offended by her comment in the last undercard debate about how, unlike Hillary Clinton, she enjoys spending time with her husband. I know that she has been trying from the beginning of the campaign to say, look, I can take Hillary Clinton on in a different way than men can. And I thought that was troubling, but but a somewhat fair assessment of what the dynamics might look like. Um. Doing that in the most, I don't know, tabloid news kind of way possible is just making me sick. Well, look, and if she thinks that she would go head to head with Hillary Clinton, who has really perfected the high road, I will not speak about this, like technique. I mean, she's got some practice. She's got a couple decades mm-hmm. of practice. Um, Then... She's misinformed at best and delusional at worst. So I just think that, you know, look, it's ugly. I think it comes off as ugly. Anyone who has ever been in any sort of relationship with another human being understands that nobody understands that relationship like those two people. To... You know, I don't like it when debater, when the debate moderators ask Hillary Clinton about her marriage. I don't like it when the other people imply, like, we don't, there, you know, there are lots of other candidates, including Donald Trump, whose actually marriage has been under a microscope on a couple of occasions, who, but there's other people in this election who have, who 
whose marriages have never been under this kind of scrutiny. And I don't think it's an accident that Hillary Clinton as a woman is the one being questioned about this. We think, particularly when it's a woman, the idea that we can question Hillary Clinton's motives about staying with her husband, it's none of our business. It's none of our business. And, you know, I don't hear those same people who, what really bothers me about this is not just the female, um, male component of it, but also I feel like true hypocrisy a lot of times coming from the Republican side, because I don't hear any Republicans praising the Obamas for the true, like, you know, example they set as far as what seems to be a wonderful marriage and these two children. Nobody's praising him, you know, like nobody's like, boy, Barack Obama really represents American family values. So you don't really care. You just want to use it for cheap shots. And it really bothers me. And that stunt she pulled about with bringing those kids. Okay. So this was another feedback we got that sometimes we assume people watch the news as closely as we do. We don't ever want to do that. So for anybody who missed this, Carly Fiorina was on her way to a, a pro-life sort of, it wasn't really a march. Was it just like a press thing that she was going to do on the subject? I think so. Yeah. And it was in a, like a zoo. I don't really know why. And on her way there, she just kind of picked up these kindergartners <laughs> that were on a, a field trip and plunked them down in front of her big fetus poster and went about her pro-life speech. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze. And its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, 
our listeners can use code pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. So bizarre. And it was a, like, from all accounts, abortion generally, I think, is an inappropriate topic to be discussing with children under, say, 15. Yeah, seriously. But maybe 15 is too high. I don't know. I have little ones. And so my concept. I might concept, argue 15 is too low. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say. <laughs> hard to say. But um, I'll be an expert on that when my kids get older, maybe. <laughs> Today, I know that my five-year-old should not hear about abortion. Yep. Um, and, and, but it sounds like it wasn't just about abortion. Like, it got fairly specific. Mm. Um, and, and so in one way, you look at this and say, well, that's horrific. How much more horrific would, like, would the Huckabee campaign have pulled something like that or would they have thought twice? I mean, did, yeah. did she think that she could do this? I don't know. I, it's just really disappointing to me. I don't understand making abortion your angle anyway, if you're her. I think you were right when we first talked about how she just sort of seized on the Planned Parenthood videos and had a moment in a debate and then mm-hmm. made that her thing. That is not her compelling thing. Yeah. No, it's not. It's just really, really frustrating to me because I think she does bring a lot of good stuff to the table, but it has been lost. And what I wanted to see from having two women in this primary and, and obviously not on an even playing field in any way, but but still in it, you know, that's that's progress, right? They're mm-hmm. both in it is an elevation of the discussion instead of a regression. I mean, I, I feel like what Carly Fiorina is doing now is saying, well, I'm a woman and women can play just as dirty as men do. And I guess that's true, but God, that's not what I want out of all this. Well, and you know, I, I remember Rebecca Tracer in an essay, I really loved making the point of the issue too, is that there's too much, we really shouldn't just be, Hillary Clinton shouldn't be carrying the mantle for women in politics or women presidential candidates. In a perfect world, Kristen Gillibrand would be running and Elizabeth Warren would be, they'd all be in the primaries, right? right? And then Carly Fiorina wouldn't be carrying the mantle for female Republicans because there would be all these other great female Republicans, senators and governors running for the presidency as well. I mean, that's part of the problem. The part of the problem that women are under this microscope is because there are too few of us running. That's right. <laughs> and that's the problem, right? That we there's not this there's not an ease up on the conversation because it feels like there's so much at stake. And there is in a way, but that's part of the problem, right? It's because there's so much at stake. And you know, also, by the way, before we move on this abortion thing, I wanted a, a fun side note to 
speaking of sexist pursuits of political issues, that I don't know if anybody saw this, but the they convened a grand jury in the not liberal uh, headquarters of the state of Texas to pursue um, charges against Planned Parenthood with regards to these videos in which they discussed the selling of fetal tissue. And um, like my husband said, speaking of being foisted on your own petard, they found that Planned Parenthood did nothing illegal and instead charged the two filmmakers, which I thought was amazing. (laughs) Love that. I love this. You go after trying to make a political point on the, you know, and get in trouble yourself. I just think that uh, we have to, I think we're in, we have serious growing pains right now. The way that you can, if you want to see how much, how far we've come with regards to sex and gender and politics, you know, the way that Hillary Clinton has ran this campaign, as opposed to the way Hillary Clinton ran her last campaign speaks volumes, right? That she's this, She's, you know, her, her level of comfort with discussing feminist issues with proudly, you know, claiming this idea that she's going to be the first female president. It's, it's really, it's a big thing. And so there's big changes happening and big discussions around women's role in our society. And inevitably there will be backlash and inevitably there will be people uncomfortable with these shifting lands that we currently stand on. But we have to take a deep breath before it gets too ugly. You know, we have to say, we know this is hard and we know this is uncomfortable. It doesn't mean we have to speak out of fear and anger and just a, a discomfort with the way that, that things are changing because we're not going back y'all. It's not going to happen. My father-in-law always says, you don't put Pandora back in the box. Like it's not, we're, we're just going to go forward. Like we're not going back to, to whatever you think, was the the golden age of gender politics in America, which I'd love to have that debate. You know, it's we're only moving forward. And so we can get there with a lot of um, collateral damage or we can get there in a way that is productive. And I think I hate to put even more responsibility on women because a lot of the point here is that sort of the level of responsibility women shoulder in this process is unfair. And I think that's true about Megyn Kelly, Carly Fiorina, mm-hmm. and Hillary Clinton. But... I don't think we're going to move forward more productively unless at least the women at first say, you know, I'm going to do this the right way. Mm-hmm. And not that there's a right and wrong way. I don't mean it like that, but I'm going to do this in a productive way that upholds my own dignity and the dignity of other women. How about the way uh, Senator Murkowski fabulous moment this week when there was the blizzard and she looked around and realized that it was only women in the Senate chamber holding down the fort and keeping business going. And I loved her quote. She said, there's something different going on here and there's something, and there's something fabulous going on here. I thought that was such a wonderful moment. That's well, it's, it's, especially that she said, you know, that she thinks it speaks to the hardiness of women. And I thought so much about that because if, if you are a woman who's made it to the Senate, mm-hmm. you're probably pretty resilient, you know? Okay. And, and I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. So yeah, I, I admire her greatly anyway. And was, we all enjoyed that, that story. story. Although she does have an unfair advantage being from Alaska. Do you want to say that you're, you're comfortable with the snow, Senator Murkowski? Well, she's not intimidated by a few feet of snow. She wasn't alone though. There no, were, there she were, wasn't. Was so and they awesome. mentioned, you know, female pages and staff members. I mean, women showed up and good for them. Love it. So I think the way you said it is right. It's a period of growing pains. 
it's it's a period that I think a lot will be written about eventually mm-hmm. and um, a lot to learn from. For me, the takeaway is exactly what you said, which is more women have to run. Just yeah. for everything, more women have to run. Ooh, that's a good, let's do a little uh, teaser for our next episode. Speaking of women running, I'll make the small-ish announcement that I have decided to run for office, but you have to tune into our next show to hear the whole story. It's not smallish, and it'll be a good story, and we <laughs> hope you enjoy it. So, as always, we want to thank our producer, Nicholas Holland, um, for all of his work on Pantsuit Politics. We could not do the show without him. Please follow us on Facebook at Pantsuit Politics and Twitter at Pantsuit Politic. Um, and we will see you next time. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Bye.